Hello, friends, and welcome back to Real Talks. My name is David Steele. And first off, I want to apologize for no uh, roundup last week. I got caught up in a couple things, but we're back this week. And I actually have a special guest with me. Special guest, why don't you uh, introduce yourself? Hello, everybody. My name is Kyle Arking, and I am a movie lover, a pop culture consumer. I have a YouTube channel. I talk about movies. You can catch me on Twitter, at Arking Kyle. Many discussions, many interesting discussions, especially with this great man here, David, <laughs> and other great people. So yeah, I'm excited to be a part of this podcast. Oh, you're welcome. I'm glad to have you. So a couple things off the top. So first of all, you can actually find me on Twitter as well. It's going to be wannabe rounder. That's W-A-N-N-A-B-E-R-O-U-N-D-E-R. Instagram, it's going to be dkadudo. So that's my social media. If you want to support us, and I say us, it's Elisa and myself, who is actually here in L.A., but on vacation. So that's why she's not here today. However, we do have a Patreon. And we have four very affordable levels for you guys to support us at. and $20 a month. $3 is just your basically general support saying thank you. $7, consider it like this. Seven bucks is almost a gallon of gas today. Seven bucks is going to get you a shout out on every single podcast throughout the whole month. $15 is going to get you a t-shirt, a mug, a shout out, and our highest being $20 a month. That is going to be getting you a one-hour Zoom meeting with us, and you're going to be getting all those other goodies. So, and you're going to be helping out the show. So, and that's the most important thing. So, we can't do this without you guys. So, I thought what we do today, we got a couple stories, but there's one kind of off the top story that I saw, and I couldn't believe this. So, there was a movie back in 1984, and this is almost 40 years ago. And it was called Red Dawn. And Patrick Swayze was the one of the main stars in that movie. And so it actually came out this week. I don't know. Do you have any memories or have you ever seen the original Red Dawn, Kyle? I have seen the original Red Dawn. I saw it, I believe, when I was around eight or nine years old. So... It was about, I'd say, it's been more than 10 years since I've seen that film. But I do very much remember kind of, it was, I believe, was it the one of the first PG-13? Yes, you're absolutely correct. It was the first PG-13. It was, yeah. I remember this because I actually did a trivia contest couple years ago and that was the question i lost to because they asked me what was the first pg-13 movie ever made and i said indiana jones and i think the temple of doom and i got it wrong it was a good guess but it was not right and i lost the competition it's been a while since i've seen red dawn but i do very much i love the cast of that film i love there's I don't know what it would have been rated today if it came out. I feel like it may have been, you know, bordering between the PG-13 and R rating. But 
it was a scary type of movie to watch as a kid because it's like, wow, this could, if this actually happened to our country, you know, what would that be like? And especially the fact that it had such great young and up and coming actors like a Patrick Swayze, like a Jennifer Grey, you know, it was really, I think, it's definitely one of those films that it's not as popular as, say, you know, Star Wars, but it's definitely one of the films that I remember from back when it, you know, came out, and at least when I saw it, because I, I wasn't alive when it came out. So fascinating. So this is actually this is kind of a big cast when you look at it. I mean, it has Patrick Swayze, Leah Thompson, Charlie Sheen was in it, as you may mention, Jennifer Grey. I mean, it was a pretty big cast for its time. But yeah, see Thomas Howell. So yeah, and he actually, I don't know, did you happen to see, uh, this was a movie I spoke about a couple weeks ago. Did you actually happen to see The Black Phone? Yes, I did. I loved it. Yeah. So he he had a connection to that, but it was just. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was just a really good movie. Now, actually, so, you know, we always talk about, you know, movies getting remakes that we want to see or maybe we don't want to see. And we'll talk about one of those a little later on. But yeah, the, this, the remake of this movie and this, I got a laugh out of this and I was telling Kyle before we started. The remake got a 15% by the critics and 51% by the audience. <laughs> like that just tells you how bad of a movie and there have been a lot of bad movies but that just tells you how bad of a movie that really was this actually starred chris helmsworth it did yeah so this was you know josh hutcherson josh hutcherson i believe from hunger games yep yep and so that's uh thor's uh brother (laughs) but anyways moving on to something a little you know moving on to more of the show so we have a couple of things on the topic today what am I, i'm going to start with something a little sad just to get it out of the way unfortunately we have lost Anne Heche. so today they cleared her brain dead from the accident that that fiery crash that uh happened on the 5th of august and it doesn't it looked like the uh accident was so bad that she was in a coma and she was in critical condition and so her heart is still beating but they have essentially called her brain dead so what they're going to do is, I imagine, so is they're going to start the proceedings of, you know, making final arrangements. You know, she wasn't that big of an actress or that big of a name. I mean, she was in Volcano. She did do seven days or six days and seven nights with Harrison Ford. She did do I Know What You Did Last Time. I mean, she had her, her moments. She actually won a daytime Emmy for her role in Another World in 1991. But yeah, this is just a a tragedy and unfortunately she's leaving a couple of children behind mm-hmm. so yeah it's just you never like to see i mean somebody unexpectedly go like that even if they're not a big name who is the last name that you can remember that we lost unexpectedly kyle can you think of somebody off the top of your head mm, well i mean just a couple of days ago we lost olivia newton john and that was you couldn't quite say it was unexpectedly because she was suffering from breast cancer but like it's i mean if you want to just draw the one that instantly comes to mind is chadwick boseman yeah because that was 
just out of nowhere. Well, I remember where I was that day. It was actually the day that I saw the New Mutants. It was the first day I went back to theaters after the pandemic hiatus. And that was quite a shock because, I mean, when when these... It's fine. I've listened to many different people talk about, you know, when quote unquote celebrities die, but like when celebrities die that, you know, that we watch over and over on television or in movies, it's a different thing than, you know, because like when even Anne Heche, who isn't what you would call one of the most famous, you know, people around, she still, in terms of media coverage, she still lived a life that was really kind of judged and if you look at like when she was with in with Ellen DeGeneres in a relationship with Ellen DeGeneres at the time that was I think a huge media kind of grabber and I was I was a baby when that happened so I wasn't around the time that that happened but as I've been looking at the news stories of the past couple of days looking at all of Anne Heche's work and such like it just I think it's it breaks my heart that someone like Anne Heche, I don't think she really ever, you know, made that true comeback that I think a lot of people were wanting to see because after she did the films like Six Days, Seven Nights, and after she did, I think, the remake of Psycho, she kind of disappeared from like Hollywood and we didn't really see much of her in the films or the TV shows that became popular. And I don't know if that was her choice or not, but I came across an interesting interview she did in 2011 on The View when she starred in the film called Cedar Rapids with Ed Helms. And I think that was going to be like a comeback for her at the time. And she talked about her children who were just like toddlers at that point. And that is the worst thing in the world that these two young kid that I think that 18 and 20 now they've lost their mother and regardless of you know whether you've seen her movies or whether you've liked her movies or her performances the saddest thing right now is that two young boys and young men just lost their mother at such a young age an age that you don't really ever expect for someone to pass away so especially also the nature of how she died it's just tragic and you know every way yeah I, I don't think you can really say enough things about it. it it's just you know at the end of the day what we call celebrities they're just people yeah they're human beings just like you and i the only difference is they're in the public eye more and whether it's on twitter or on youtube or on tv or in movies they're normal people and i think that you know this is why i've always tried to treat everybody with the same whether that you're you know famous and you know because i, I look i'm not going to go out and i mean i've met a couple of people in my life and but it's just they are exactly that they're people they're humans they have feelings they have families they have children and they just want to be treated like everybody else the only difference is they're in the public eye and when you hear about a story of how somebody passed away you feel for not only the family but the children and everyone surrounding them because they lost a loved one and it's like i mean we've all lost people and so it hurts and it's gonna hurt for a long time so 
you know, it's a sad thing. But, you know, and right now, this is where people just come together and be like, look, disrespect our privacy at this moment and do this. And, you know, but yeah, I wanted to get the, the, the sad news out of the way. So we were actually talking about remakes prior, you know, just a couple of minutes ago. What is like a remake that besides Red Dawn, <laughs> what is a remake that you remember seeing that you go, I wish they wouldn't have made or I wish they would make? Do you know what I mean? One that I wish they never made? Well, either or, because there's a remake going to happen. I want to get your thoughts on. Well, a remake that I wish they never made was the, well, see, this is the interesting thing about remakes. Like remakes, the best part about remakes is that they bring new people into the IP, into the property. So by me saying, you know, I wish they never made it, then I kind of, so let me give you an example. For instance, just now I was going to say, I wish they never remade RoboCop. The remake for RoboCop was one of the worst movies Gary Oldman and a couple of others we won't, yeah. Such potential wasted that, I mean, I was so heartbroken by it. But it got me to get the original RoboCop on Blu-ray. And now I had seen it before. I think I saw it when I was very, very young. But I have was able to rewatch it recently. I don't know if I would have rewatched it recently if, you know, the remake didn't come out. But I will say if there was one I did not want, I wish was never made, it would be the RoboCop remake. One that I kind of wish they do make, that's a good question because I, what is one that you could remake today? There are a lot of them. I know that there's, there have been talks of like a Back to the Future remake. Yeah. Now, Robert Zemeckis has gone on record and said, while he's alive, they will never, ever remake that. Even while Spielberg, even if and Spielberg's not going to come back and do it, but just hypothetically, Zemeckis said that will never get remade, and you know, with rightfully so, because I think that's one of probably the top seven or eight movies of the 1980s of that decade. So the reason I bring this up, and this isn't so much a remake or a reboot. So I don't know how familiar are you with the IP called The Fall Guy? Do you know of the I know nothing about this. Okay, so so back in the 1980s, there was a show called The Fall Guy. Okay. And The Fall Guy was basically like a stuntman or, you know, it was basically like a, I don't even know how to describe it. It was a show back in the 80s starring Lee Majors. And he worked as a bounty hunter and while he was utilizing his Hollywood skills. And it ran on ABC from 1981 to 86. Well, it was just confirmed today by the rap that Emily Blunt is going to star opposite Ryan Gosling in The Fall Guy for Universal Studios. And I just kind of cringed. And I went, oh, really? Now, so the Hobbs and Shaw filmmaker David, correct me if I'm mispronouncing it, David Lynch is attached to direct the project. Okay. And so this is actually supposed to get a March 1st release of 2024. But so, yeah. And Drew Pierce, who co-wrote that is, you know, actually going to do it. But I just went, you know, I didn't really 
I don't love it. It's this is one of those movies I go, who benefits from this? Because the number one thing that you're gonna ask is who's your target audience? Mm. Who are you going for? I don't know. Is it fifteen to forty nine year olds? Is it because let's face it, anybody that doesn't know of the show doesn't care. So I just I mean, and by the way, those are two big stars. It's not like, you know, no-name stars. Emily Blunt, Ryan Gosling, they're pretty, you know, high up on the totem pole. So I just wonder what who there thought that that would be a good idea. I just, you know. I'm with you right there. I'm like. I just think that it's one of those things where you go, okay, let's say you're going to put a $50 million budget together. And I'm lowballing this, but let's just say $50 million. How much are you thinking this is going to make? <laughs> Go ahead, finish this off. I put out a tweet today, and I remember you actually commented on it. It was interesting because I put out a tweet today saying that I'm not interested in this property at all. And this stems from multiple reasons. I'll give you reason number one. David Leach directing it. David Leach is one of my least favorite directors working today. I have seen all of his films... And the only one that I would say I liked was Atomic Blonde, and he did that with Charlize Theron. Have you seen it? I have not, but I know. I know of it. I recommend the film. I think, I mean, I liked it when I saw it in theaters. The only thing is, is I've heard from many people that it does not work on like a rewatch. It kind of, it hasn't aged as well. The thing that really, I think, helped the movie was one the soundtrack and it took place in the 80s so it had that soundtrack to it and it also has an incredible like when i talk about some of the best action in movies it has one of the best action scenes a one take of just charlie's there and fighting guys going down a stairway going into her car and going out a window it is outstanding outstanding action one of the best choreographed action scenes i've seen in a film and that is like one of the main selling points you don't even have to watch the rest of the movie like that that's the only reason you want to watch the movie you can watch that but it's one of those things where i like that movie but david leach his film he did deadpool 2 i was not a, a fan of deadpool 2 i thought it was a massive step down from deadpool 1 i did not care for Hobbs and Shaw that much. I thought it was a bit too long of a movie. I thought that it kind of wore out its welcome fairly quickly. And most recently, I watched his film Bullet Train, which came out about a week or so ago. And I did not like Bullet Train. I thought that it was also a film that was too long. I thought it was a film that lacked a sense of direction with its pacing, with its characters and the thing about david leach is his movies look nice if you see a david leach movie the cinematography is beautiful it doesn't look like other films made today it has a distinct look to it but his films i have not found to be particularly that good another element why i'm disappointed in this is that it is ryan gosling starring in it because Ryan Gosling is in my top three favorite actors. My top three favorite actors are Leonardo DiCaprio, Christian Bale, and Ryan Gosling. And for the last, I would say, 
seven or so years, Ryan Gosling has been picking consistently great projects. He did La La Land. He did Blade Runner 2049. He did First Man. These are fantastic films. Some of the best films that have been made in the last decade. And I am saddened to see where his career has seemed to go because he made those movies and now he's kind of transitioned into an action star. And he was just recently in the Russo brothers, the gray man that was on Netflix. And that is by far one of the worst movies that I have seen this year. And it is crushing for me to admit that because I have not just liked, but loved Ryan Gosling's movies that he's made in the last number of years. And the fact that he made this really was disappointing to me. And the fact that now he's going to make another action-centered film with a director like David Leach, who I do not think is that good in terms of storytelling and the one thing that he is good at is action, but that is something that I understand Ryan Gosling seems to be heading his career towards, but I expect way more from Ryan based on his other films and his filmography. And even Emily Blunt, who I love Emily Blunt, but I mean, I don't know why she's getting onto this project. I don't see what is there for her to, you know, say, I want to be a part of this. So there's a lot of factors in this decision that, like you, David, I'm like, just why are they doing this? Who is the target audience? Because it's certainly not me. I never knew this show existed (laughs) until you tweeted me saying, The Fall Guy? Like, you knew what this show was. I had no idea this was a show. And I don't think anyone is going to know this is a show. I don't know how they will promote it because... Even Mission Impossible, people knew what Mission Impossible was when that was promoted. The only thing I can think of was Denzel Washington's The Equalizer, which came out. And that was something that I didn't really know if that was a show at the time it came out. And that was marketed in a way. So maybe it could be something like that. They could market this movie on a relatively smaller budget, a smaller film, but... I don't know. I mean, David Leach, he does blockbuster movies. Hobbs and Shaw, Bullet Train, Deadpool 2. These are big movies. So I'm just with you. I don't know why they're making this. I just, I really don't understand who who the audience is. I don't understand why they would be doing it. And let's face it, there's no appeal for it. It's not like, you know, there's the remake on, you know, ABC's going to bring this back and, you know, with a brand new series and then they're going to come back in and remake. And it's like, come on, I don't need, I mean, I'll be honest, one of the, I enjoyed it myself. I don't know about others. I love the A-Team. I mean, I loved the A-Team and I wish they would have done a sequel to that. I mean, that will probably never happen, but I enjoyed it for what it was worth. But, you know, that being said, Television remakes, too, are so difficult to put onto a big screen because you only have a a small period of time. Episodic television, like the A-Team, for example, you're only taking a small amount of what it is. And 
So the, and yeah, well, one last thing I'll say about the turnaround time. This is supposed to be coming out in March of 2024. Now, granted, we're almost through August, but you're talking about 18 months. So that means in 18 months, you're going to get a script. You're going to locate. You're going to get locations already down. You're going to sign everybody on, which, by the way, these are the only two stars. We don't know who else is going to come out. The first trailer is going to come out. Okay, so you're hoping the first trailer comes out March or April next year. And then, you know, it's so I just this is one of those I'll skip. So I will say going back to your TV thing. Do you know what movie I love? Do you know what TV remake I love? Which one? The Lone Ranger. (laughs) I love that movie. That's awesome. And by the way, the Lone Ranger, for all those out there listening, the Lone Ranger was not only a disaster for Disney, it lost about $200 million. But that was an arm. Not now we're going to get off topic, but that was an Army Hammer movie. And you were just, oh, we were just on a space the other day. Tell our listeners what's going to be coming out in about, oh, I don't know, a week. Discovery Plus is going to be making a documentary called House, The House of Hammer, which is just all about Army Hammer's family and Army Hammer's horrible, horrible past and allegations that, you know, yeah, we don't have like, to get into. Yeah, but, you know, yeah. We, we don't have to. But it's just like, you just wonder. You just wonder. It's not just Army Hammer, but it's Army Hammer and Johnny Depp. Yeah, yeah. Which I can't imagine, you know, if that movie was coming out today, <laughs> what... It would be like Batgirl. They would just write it off. They yeah. would never release it. They couldn't release it. There's no way with everything that's gone down the rabbit hole with that. So, but I love I love that movie though. I think it's a, it, I think it's a lot of fun. And it's funny though. Just TV remakes. Just thinking about this, I've actually been watching for the. Well, I've watched some episodes, but I've decided to watch the complete Miami Vice TV series. Oh my god! And what a series! It's incredible and it's something i'm looking forward to watching the film once i finish it because i'm very curious to see how they adapted it but that's another example of something i love yeah i love miami vice the film and michael mann is he's one of the best filmmakers not named oliver stone or steven spielberg in the last 30 years yeah you look at his filmography from manhunter with brian cox playing lecter Mm-hmm. You take a look at, you know, Collateral with Tom Cruise and Jamie Foxx. So His good. master huh? class, I think, has to be, without a doubt, Heat. Yeah. And, you know, I was just having a conversation with somebody the other day. I said, the best part of that movie is that you learn the whole backstory of these two characters in eight minutes. I think, without a doubt, that coffee shop scene is probably one of the top 25 scenes ever put on film. Easily. I just, I rewatched Heat the other day. It is one of my favorite films. And speaking of Heat, the book has come out this week, Heat 2, that Michael Mann wrote his first novel. He co-wrote it. And let me tell you this, if you are interested in Heat, I highly recommend this novel. It is outstanding. I'm only, I'm not, I'm almost halfway through it. And it is really, if you thought the movie did a great job at developing its characters, just wait till you get to the novel. 
now I'm even more. I mean, I was gonna get it anyways. Now I'm even more psyched to get it. You gotta tell me when you get it. When you read it, David, you gotta tell me what you think because I am dying to talk about this book with people. It is so good, and I mean, I think one of my favorite parts about Heat in general, though, is that every single character from De Niro to Natalie Portman's, the stepdaughter of Al Pacino's character that Natalie Portman plays, they are so, like, deeply complex characters that I can, like, as I was writing a review the other day of it, like, you could make a movie just about Natalie Portman's character, just focused on what she's doing the whole movie while the other characters are doing their thing, and that's a movie. That is how interesting every single character in that movie is. And that's Michael Mann. That's his writing. He fleshes out everything of every character. I mean, you even take a look in, in part in this. I don't know and don't want to spoil anything. But part of this has to do with Chris. So anybody who has seen the movie Heat, okay, and he's got a huge grin on his face for our listeners. But anybody who's seen the, the movie Heat knows what happens, okay? She gives him the wave off and he goes on his merry way and he gets stopped at the end of the street and it's not him. They run the plates and he's clean. The guy's clean. So what happened to Chris? And that's the $64,000 question. And if you, you want to know what happened to Chris, <laughs> go read he too. If you, if you want to know more about Chris, read he too. But that, and that, and that's the thing. Like he flushes out everything and i always i've said this like i thought heat is perfection and i always said i don't know why somebody would want to come back and like tweak this and do that and i get there's other stories behind it i get it but i don't really but now with this kind of review now i'm like now i have to go get it <laughs> so but moving on actually kevin costner's back in the news and it's for all the great reasons He's actually going to be back in the director's chair for the first time in almost 20 years. Sam Worthington and Sienna Miller are going to be starring in this Western called Horizon. And this is going to be done by Costner's production company. And yeah, this looks like it's so it chronicles a 15 year span pre and post Civil War expansion and the settlement of the American West. Experienced through the many eyes and epic journey with peril and intrigue on the constant onslaught of the natural elements, the interactions with the indigenous people who lived in the land, and determination of the many times ruthlessness of those who sought to settle it. So it sounds really, it sounds fascinating. And this is going to be a really, this is going to be a good movie. I mean, I he's always got that Western feel. I mean, but that in sports. I mean, you know, whether it's Tin Cup or Field of Dreams or whatever else. But, you know, you take a look at some of his other movies. I mean, his master class for me is Dances with Wolves, hands down. But, yeah, whether it's Dances with Wolves or Open Range or even, you know, he's in uh, Yellowstone right now. So, yeah. What do you think about the casting with this? I love it. Yeah. Sam Worthington, how be funny. So I had like when I was a kid, I had a wall like I had a wallet, a Batman wallet. And I still have it to this day. I can look at it right now. I see it right across from where I'm sitting. And in that wallet was a 
picture of Sam Worthington from Avatar because at the time he was one of my favorite actors. He was making in around 2009, 2010 when he starred in Avatar, he was making all the hit movies. He made Terminator Salvation. He made Clash of the Titans. These are all these big temple films. And of course, he made Avatar. And I was a massive fan of Sam Worthington. And then he just kind of disappeared. He didn't become the leading man that I think that people thought he was going to become based on him starring in these movies. And it wasn't until most recently, I believe he starred in the TV series Under the Banner of Heaven with Andrew Garfield, where he seemed to be making somewhat of a comeback. And now, of course, this year, he's back in Avatar 2. So he is coming back. And the other thing, though, is Sienna Miller. I got to tell you, David, she was one of my first crushes because she was in the movie G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra. And if you saw in G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra, you can imagine how a young, you know, young boy like myself would be like looking at Sienna Miller and be like, wow, I love this woman. She was, I loved her in that movie, but she is an incredible actor, actress, no matter what movie she's in. She's also kind of faded from like fame. Like she isn't necessarily the one people think of, but she was in American Sniper with Bradley Cooper, which was a big hit movie that came out. She was in a bunch of other things. And I love this pairing because like this is, you're talking about, if you told me like when I was 10 years old that Sam Worthington and Sienna Miller were going to be in a movie together, that's like today when you tell me that Ryan Gosling and Margot Robbie are going to be in Barbie together. Like it's two of the best, well, when I was little, like these were like two of the best actors working. So I am just Kevin Costner directing it. I love Dances with Wolves. It is an incredible film. But what's funny is that if you look at Kevin Costner, the other two films he made, The Postman and Open Range, those were two films he directed that did not get the acclaim like Dances with the Wolves got. And he disappeared from direct. He hasn't directed since 2003. So this must be a, a big deal if this is getting him to come back and direct because that's something I've been waiting to see for many years. Yeah, I, I think that I mean it's like riding a bike. Once you, I mean you learn every time out, yeah. you know that mistakes you made, but you don't make them on the next project and everything else. And mm-hmm. when you win, you know an Oscar for best director, and you win an Oscar for best picture in the same given year, regardless of what else is out there. Yeah, and so that was a magnificent film, and then you gotta. There are a couple of things to keep in mind with that because this was long before the three-hour film. This was long before the three-hour TRT of Titanic and Avengers Endgame and Interstellar. It was well before that. And the other thing, too, is Costner, had, he's been a star for 30 or 40 years. I mean, going all the way back to Field of Dreams. You know, I mean, even before that. So, yeah, I love... Kevin Costner is a great actor. And I mean, the one like negative red mark you could put on him is Waterworld. That's it. <laughs> That's it. I, there you go. So, I mean, there are people out there that went to see it. But I mean, like. It, there's a cult following out there. No, yeah, absolutely. But I mean, that being said, 
he the man is, can is unbelievable craftsman and when you put that kind of talent together it's just amazing sienna miller she's interesting i'll tell you why because what you made mention of american sniper i loved american sniper hmm. i thought bradley cooper should have won an oscar for american sniper but and the script was great too you know and the thing is that in this goes i always harp on it but this goes back to story okay you have a great story like a chris kyle okay an american sniper Fantastic movie, you know, I mean, obviously film is subjective and everything else, but, you know, you've got a, a, a premier guy behind the, the lens of Clint Eastwood. Then you think, okay, and I wrote a whole piece on this, and you think, well, okay, they should be good together, right? And then they turn and they do a movie like Burnt. And the title of the, the article was Overhyped and Undercooked. And I went, it just didn't work. And that, you know, you had Uma Thurman in there. You had Leah Thompson in there. You had... Alicia Vikander. Yeah, Alicia, which her character made zero sense to me. You had the villain, I'm blanking on his name. You had the villain from uh, Civil War. You had a huge cast. And I'm like, how do you come up with this crap? That just tells you how story and who you put together is very, very big. So when you have somebody like a Costner... Yeah. I love it. That's why if it wasn't Kevin Costner directing, I don't know if we would be as enthusiastic about it. Because if it was, you know, just Western with Sam Worthington, Sienna Miller, doesn't give us much to work off of. But knowing that Kevin Costner is a highly acclaimed director that can turn in some great product that I feel like this gives us more reason to be excited about the movie. Yeah. So, I'm going to end on a really great note, uplifting note. So, there's a movie that's turning 40 this year. And you were telling me that you're actually going to go see this. But I don't remember. I didn't see it in the theaters, but I've seen it several times then. And that's E.T. E.T. is turning 40 this year. And if you want to go back and listen to the Steven Spielberg podcast I did, we rank all of the Spielberg movies. And yeah, so this is turning 40 this year. And it's just, it's unbelievable. So just thinking about this for a minute, this started very young, Drew Barrymore, who, by the way, you know, I mean, this was one of her, you know, superstardom moments. I didn't realize this. This made, now, mind you, this is not adjusted for inflation, but $792 million worldwide. It was nominated for nine Oscars, Kyle, including Best Picture. In one four, not to mention there's a little effects house called ILM. Mm-hmm. And this was just starting to grow legs at this point because, of course, Star Wars came out in 1977, Empire came out in 1980. So this was ILM's a major project for them. And this is the year before Return of the Jedi came out. So this was like one of their top-notch effects. I mean, just there's not enough superlatives to say how great this movie is. Well, do you remember the first time you saw E.T.? Ooh, that is a good question. I don't think I do. I think that if I can recall one time I saw E.T., it was probably when I was like four or five. 
it might have been even earlier than that. I do remember it's interesting. In 2002, the 20th anniversary of E.T., they had a whole initiative that happened where they released it on DVD. They ended up selling many toys at Toys R Us. And I bought a lot of those toys. And I remember being in the store. And this is honestly one of my earliest childhood memories being in Toys R Us buying ET toys. And I still have today. And it really, like at that time, I think it shows you when movies turn a certain age, you have to do anniversaries. You have to re-release them because I don't know how big of a deal E.T. would be to me today if I didn't, you know, see the film when it was re-released and I was able to kind of become consumed. Because at the time, it was almost like they were releasing the movie again. You had toys and it felt, I can only imagine, there may have been even more product in the store in 2002 for E.T. than there was back in 1982. So I really kind of grew up with E.T. I know one of my friends, it is like one of his favorite, if not his favorite movie of all time. I'm not there. Like it's one of, I love E.T., but it's not like one of my favorite films of all time. But I do very much love the film. I love just the, the innocence of the movie, the whole idea of friendship, you know, of Elliot. He needs a friend. He needs, he needs E.T., of course he has Gertie. Of course he has his mom and his brother. But he, he need like, in that movie, it is something that is missing in Elliot's life. And I think that, much like E.T. touches all of us when we watch it. So, I'm as you said before, I'm actually going to see E.T. for the very first time in theaters tomorrow. And I'm going to be seeing it in IMAX. And I'm very excited. I'm most excited to see the iconic bike sequence. I think that will just look phenomenal in an IMAX screen. Yeah, I can only imagine. So one of my first E.T. memories is I remember going to Universal Studios and doing the E.T. ride, like being on the bike and, you know, with all the the green screen back then, but that was amazing. So I don't know how familiar... Okay, so because another big story that people don't know about the movie E.T. So are you much of a gamer, would you say? Yeah. Okay. So once upon a time, a little uh, a company called Atari, and you, you know where I'm going with this. So what they did is, at the time, Atari was huge, and they paid Steven Spielberg half a million dollars, and they said, we want the rights. And what Atari did is they manufactured half a million of these cartridges. Now, Atari said, look, you have six weeks to not only produce a game, but to QC it and to make sure it works. Tight back then, okay, fine. So they make all the cartridges, they QC it, flies off the shelves. They wanted it out for the holidays. Flies off the shelves. Within weeks, the bugs start popping up and the glitches happen. And it's getting, I mean, just people wanting them money back, returns, whatever. I mean, there are, you can actually Google pictures of ET cartridges in landfills today. (laughs) And, you know, and this is not a uh, myth. This actually happens. So anyways, this is when 
a little company called Nintendo of America. Of course, they were overseas in Japan, and that was the big thing, the Nintendo Entertainment System, back in 1985. This is a couple years later. And they had Duck Hunt, and they had Super Mario Brothers. Well, the whole myth was that they had, you know, you had to blow in the cartridges to make sure, you know. So the, the big thing was that Nintendo QC'd all of their products, so there was never a problem. And so when it came out in 1985, only a couple years later, it flew off the shelves. And Super Mario is now a part of our pop culture today, whether it's the music or whether it's the games, you know, or whether it's GameCubes or whether it's the, whatever it is. And now Nintendo's in our daily lives. But yeah, so Atari actually paid Spielberg about a half a million dollars for the rights to it. And they nearly killed, and they actually brought Nintendo into the fray <laughs> all those years ago. Because if they had produced a decent game, we don't know if we would have gotten Nintendo. So, yeah, that's that's interesting. And the big story, though, is that there was the, what was it, like the urban myth that they buried all of those cartridges in the desert. <laughs> like, is you've heard of that. Correct. Like it is <laughs> what a crazy that's one of the craziest stories ever. It's amazing. <laughs> but it's just yeah, so that just shows you, you know, I mean, and this is why quality control is so important in how things are done and everything else. But yeah, to have it be forty years old though, that's just and you know the the even crazier thing. That Spielberg's probably I mean, obviously film is subjective and everything else. Probably his seventh or eighth best movie in the grand scheme of things. I mean, like I said, if you want to go back and listen to our rankings, but for me personally, I think Schindler's List is his masterclass. I put that at number one. I think Jurassic Park, you know, for what it's worth today, okay, is the effects. And that's what it was, revolutionary back then. Number two. I mean, you can put private, Saving Private Ryan is three. I mean, just going down the list. I mean, Lincoln, Ready Player One is a phenomenal movie. You know, with every, you know, for all those 80 kids, you know, those kids from the 80s that love the pop culture. I mean, just, and that's the great thing about Spielberg. And this is why I personally think he's a GOAT. I mean, Hitchcock actually was born this week back in 1899. But... I think Steven Spielberg was a GOAT because he's proven he can not only do drama, he can not only do musicals, he can do children's movies in an E.T., he can do pop culture movies in Ready Player One, he can do every single kind of movie that you put in front of him. And it doesn't matter. And he has, you know, he can make a, I won't say it's a biopic, but he can make a film about a horrible tragedy and how one man rose above it all in Schindler's List mm -hmm. and make, I mean, still one of the unbelievable shots is that girl in the red dress. I mean, it's one of the last movies besides, I want to say the artist to win best picture in black and white. And that's going back to 2012. So it's unbelievable what that he's done. I, that's why I'm dying to see what he's got coming out at, um, Toronto International Film Festival because that Fableman looks amazing and he's actually doing a full blown 
press tour. So I can't wait to see that. But that just goes to show you. So Spielberg is Spielberg can even have effects on children. So, but yeah, so that's gonna, those are the topics for the roundup. So coming up on the show, I actually have, we got a couple things coming up. Mob Mondays. It is going to happen, ladies and gentlemen. By the end of the month, I am going to be putting up the first couple of episodes of Mob Mondays. That is going to be $6.99 a month. Every episode, you'll be getting one Mob's movie a week, just like Flashback Fridays, except this is going to be dropping on a Monday, and it's all going to be Mob movies. So the first two episodes are going to be the 2006 Best Picture winner, The Departed, and Goodfellas. And then I believe after that is Black Mass. And I believe after that is Scarface. So you guys are going to be getting some heavy hitters to start. Flashback Fridays. What can I say about that? I just put up Spider-Man Homecoming today. So that's a 15th episode of Flashback Fridays. We are almost done with Phase 3. So next week is going to be Thor Ragnarok. The week after that is going to be Black Panther. And the week after that is going to be Infinity War. Two one billion dollar movies right there, guys. I can't and don't forget, we're counting down the days to Wakanda Forever. This is going to be probably next Avatar, the biggest movie of the year. What else? Rewatch Wednesdays. I'm gonna figure out what her schedule is, but if we don't do House of the Dragon, we definitely gonna do Rewatch Wednesdays. That's where she's gonna watch a movie she hasn't seen, but I have. The first three weeks are already planned out. She's gonna do Steve Jobs to start, and then I'm going to sit down and watch Catch Me If You Can, and then I don't know how she hasn't had but she's going to sit down and actually watch Heat, and then we're going to go back and forth. So that's going to be a $6.99 paywall. So, But guys, you subscribe to those, and you will be getting shout-outs for every single podcast throughout the month. Don't forget we have our Patreon, like I said at the beginning of the show, very affordable, $3.00. $7 is a gallon of gas almost, guys. And you're getting shout-outs, and it's cheaper than Netflix. $15 gets you a bunch of stuff. $20 gets you not only the mug, not only the T-shirt, but it gets you a podcast that nobody else is going to get, and it's going to get you all the shout-outs. So, yeah, we got a bunch of stuff coming up on the horizon. The rest of this year is going to be huge. Stay with us. If you want to follow me, it's Wannabe Rounder on Twitter. Tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter one more time, Kyle. Yeah, so on Twitter, it's at ArkingKyle. That is capital A, lowercase r, K-I-N-G, and capital K-Y-L-E. Cool. Yeah, and we're doing Twitter spaces all the time, like one of us. So, you know, drop us a line or a message. Say hi. Come in the, the space. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, yeah, so that's it. Until next week, guys. He's Kyle. I'm David. And this has been Real Talks.